No, it's like when you get in an argument with somebody and then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, I should have said that. She was really just going to go back and give him like a, you know, one of those lines that she had thought of. Are you and you're buying this? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I wouldn't buy that for ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to episode 80 of the Movie Bite Podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Tuesday, February 18th, 2014. I'm your host, TJ, and joining me today, he's more machine now than man. It's our very own RoboCop, Chad Hopkins. How are you? How are you, RoboCop? How's it going? I am doing well. Good. Good. How's uh, how's crime fighting been going? Have you you (laughs) solved your murder yet? What? It's been going doing okay. Yeah. Got a couple bad guys just this afternoon. Excellent. Well, yeah. Chad, uh, you know what? I have only very, very, very recently seen the original Robocop, and you have not seen the original at all. I have not. And so I, I, I think we thought it wise and prudent, perhaps, to to bring on somebody who has a little more affinity for the original and can maybe give us that uh uh, faulty though it might be, perspective, and and that wait, you're not you're not telling me that Fizz guy is back, right? It, that's exactly where I was going with oh, this, and you, no. you completely stole my thunder. And Fizz is too. <laughs> you, you, you can you can slap him if you want, Fizz. Welcome back so to the show, like Fizzbot. Fizzbot. So, okay, sure, whatever. Right. Ed two o nine, maybe. Uh, Fizz two o nine. Fizz two o nine. There you go. That's that's the one right there. How's it going, man? Uh, it is going well. I. I'm exceptionally excited to talk about this. Uh, well, I guess because we're going to have to talk about the original too. So I'm exceptionally excited to talk about pseudo both these movies. Um, so, and I've been excited about this kind of remake, you know, for like the three years that it's been in development. So it's been a long time coming. Well, don't don't spoil the latter half of the show where we actually talk about that. We'll we'll get to that and find out whether it lived up to your interest or not. Mine my my opinion's already been spoiled because my reviews are out there on on MovieByte.com. Uh, and, uh, so my, my, my opinion is already out there for the masses. And I, I know already that you disagree with me on one of those opinions. Uh, not sure about the other yet. So we'll kind of see how that goes. Uh, but I thought that the first thing we should do as we usually do is talk about a little bit of movie news and, uh, a, a, a travesty has happened. Uh, someone was forced to have a Jennifer Lopez movie in their possession for uh, <laughs> a, a several years, apparently. Um, no, but but really, um, this woman went to jail because she failed to return a movie rental from 2005. It was a J-Lo movie, apparently, uh, Monster-in-Law, which I've never seen, never heard of, and don't care because it's, it's, it's Lopez, so who cares? But um, <laughs> South Carolina woman Kayla Michelle Finley was sent to jail last week for failing to return a copy of the Jennifer Lopez comedy Monster-in-Law that she'd rented nine years ago. Although the, when, although the store where she originally picked up the tape, Dalton's video, has since shut down, the warrant for her arrest never expired. According to Fox Carolina, uh, Fox Carolina, sorry, that's the, the state in which the Fox News resides, I would assume, uh, Finley, 27, had gone to the Pickens County Sheriff's Office to report an unrelated cl- crime only to be shocked and disgusted when she was arrested for not returning Monster-in-Law in 2005. She was charged with petty larceny, a misdemeanor, and spent Thursday night in jail. A judge released Finley on Friday morning on a $2,000 bond. Discuss. She fought the law, and the law won. I guess. I mean, but, but seriously, I mean, Chad, you may not remember because we've already established that you're the spring chicken on this podcast, <laughs> but back in the day... Back in the the dark days of of movie watching, 
we would have to go to these places like um, Blockbuster and Movie Gallery and maybe even the local uh, the local video rental store that wasn't even a chain, and we would rent videos to watch, usually on the weekends, because that's when you were rented videos to watch. And we would go to these chains, and we would rent these videos. Did you Were you maybe on the tail end of this, Chad? I, I'm not sure. I actually do have fond memories <laughs> of going to Blockbuster with my family as a child during the summers. So anyway, uh, I, I can totally see how, you know, I mean, because we've, I mean, we've had our fair share of late fees when you would forget to return it or, you know, oh, no, I thought you had that to return. Well, no, you know, I thought you were going to return that. And no, you were supposed to take it when you delivered the papers on, you know, on your bike. You were supposed to ride down to the video store and return it. So I don't know what you mean by everybody. I, I've done nothing wrong ever. <laughs> <laughs> So in any event, it, it's not like this – to me, this is not the sort of crime that you put somebody in jail for. It's really bizarre. I, I don't know. What do you think, Fizz? I mean you, you kind of kind of work in law enforcement, right? You, IT guy or <laughs> well, whatever. You might have an opinion. I, I, I mean working with law enforcement, I feel like they would probably see this as a waste of their time. I agreed. I would agree with that assessment. And, and I would agree with that assessment. I, I, to me, it seems silly, but at, at, on the other hand – there are rules in place and the only thing that can prevent it is someone saying that this rule is silly. Um, I mean, and if you take this situation as odd and random as it is, and if they're the rule that is in place to make this happen actually legitimately applies to other things, then do you want to get rid of the rule when it's actually serving a purpose? Um, And someone, and someone gets, like kind of crazily called on a technicality or I mean, like what's what's the answer? Uh, I I guess my roundabout way of asking a question about a question. Well, the answer to me is you don't throw somebody in jail because they fail to return a rental that for a movie that would cost twenty dollars to buy. I mean, I could see restitution. I mean, even though the company is not even around anymore, I don't know how that would work, but that's just nuts. Two thousand dollar bond. That's just crazy. (laughs) It does Uh, seem at the judge level they could do something. Yeah, I don't know. In the last paragraph of the actual article, it says that uh, the deputies indicate that arrests like these were much more common in the days of video stores and stress that failure to return rented property of any sort is illegal. So let me see. Where where did this happen at? Isn't that over in your neck of the woods, Fizz? It probably is. South Carolina. Oh, no, that is not my neck of the woods. (laughs) That is the the lesser Carolina. Well, I mean, that's so, over in the east, whatever. It's on the coast there by the ocean thing. You're in Tennessee, TJ. <laughs> Where do you think you are? I am in uh, the mid middle of the United States. You are not in the – I think you need to look at a map, TJ. <laughs> okay, okay. Mid-United – Midwestern United States. Uh, no. You're thinking and, of- all right. Okay. Technically, no. I'm not, but I'm from Illinois, and Nashville is like basically almost in Midwestern United States. So, Chad is in the middle of the United States. Yes, or North America. But but but, but he would not be classified as Midwestern. He's in the South. Well, he's he's in South. No, you know, he's not only, down in Texas. The only reason Chad would not be considered Midwestern is because Texas thinks of itself as its own country and can't be classified as any particular region of a country that it is not a part of. Okay, I'm pasting an article from Wikipedia, the source of all knowledge in the universe, uh, that that outlines (laughs) the states that are considered the Midwest. So I still consider myself a Midwesterner because I'm from originally Peoria, Illinois. And come on, seriously, Nashville is pretty far west in in the state. But it's not across the Mississippi. (laughs) Eh, Whatever. 
I am not in this. I am not from the South. I am not a Southerner. Do not. I mean, I, I love Southerners, but I am not one. So, <laughs> I love Southerners, but I'd hate to be one. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just I am not one. I, I would not foot, want to. Your uh, foot is already in your mouth, TJ. No, I would not want well. to offend them with my Midwestern ways by by associating myself with them in that way. It's already too late, TJ. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm already offended. I'm already offended. <sighs> okay. Bless, bless, anyway, a, bless those Southerners, dear hearts. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> this is why I don't understand why we try to talk about things before the movie. Cause you know, it's just going to be like a long tangent fest for like 20 minutes. Oh no, but I love it. Okay. So that's pretty stupid. A uh, woman goes to jail for failing to return a movie rental for a $20 movie. Could the movie could be replaced with $20. It's really stupid. I think we're all agreed, right? Sure. Yes. Okay. Chad, would you tell us about this thing that I think you're going to be interested in? Yes. Um, I think it's Nike who just announced that, uh, yeah, the Nike designer has revealed that power laces are coming in 2015, just as Back to the Future Part 2 said they would. Exactly. Uh, yeah. A little freaky. I, I suppose, you know, they, they actually made these shoes, uh, like exact prop replicas a couple of years ago and sold them on eBay to benefit the Michael J. Fox foundation. Uh, interesting. So, um, I don't know if they're just going to have another sort of auction like that, or if they're actually going to market these, which I would prefer because that means I could maybe afford them. Uh, <laughs> but you know, these things sold a couple of years on, ago on eBay for thousands of dollars because they were being sold for the purpose of charity. And there were only, uh, uh, X amount that were made. So now I have to ask if you're so lazy that you can't lace up your own shoes and you need power laces, aren't you worried about getting fat eh. <laughs> <laughs> or, or that's the thing you, you think it's worth it. The power laces, that, that's just awesome enough that you just got to have them. <sighs> I mean, Look, I, I, they're, they're in a movie. And I, I feel, cool. I, f- I feel like we're focusing on the wrong thing here. Like, I don't understand why we're excited about power laces when we should be angry that we don't have hoverboards. No, I completely agree with that. <laughs> End of story. But this is the only technology really from – I mean, because Back to the Future Part 2, let's face it, it was a very 80s version of the future. I mean, we it's, do not have anything like what they've really said we were going to have. Like Jaws 19, thank God. Yeah, well, I was going to ask you, is it Jaws – I couldn't remember what number of Jaws they said it would be, but it was it was something I like that. I think they said 19. I'm going to do a quick Google image shirt Of course you are. Just to make sure. <laughs> because I, I'd hate to be wrong on a piece of back to the future trivia i can't believe you don't have this knowledge at the tip of your brain <laughs> oh it, it is jaws 19 by max spielberg there you go obviously it's a little inside humor for for spielberg there um yes. yeah can you believe i've never seen any well no that's not true i saw part of jaws when i was a very young child and i don't even know how i was able to see it because i can't imagine my parents letting me watch it and i was completely freaked out and i've never had any desire to see it since <laughs> Did you? Because were you going to say, "Can I believe that you haven't seen it?" No, uh, I, 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 I changed I course. Yeah, I changed course there. Ba- you know, back off, back off. Come on, I'm 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 trying to catch up. I've I've now watched I've now watched a Muppets movie. <laughs> it wasn't as good as I might have hoped, but it was it was certainly better than. Well, okay, we'll get to that. <clears throat> I was going to say I was going to ask which one it was, but uh, we don't want to have this conversation right now. It was the first one. Okay, I think they get better. I don't know. They do. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Fizz, you, do you watch House of Cards? I think I've heard, I think I remember seeing that you do. Oh, I love House of Cards. Chad, have you watched it? No, but what apparently, is, judging by uh, my Twitter feed, I need to. So. What is wrong with you? 
Even I, I know you should watch that. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you watch it, TJ. Why? Uh, because of the uh, violence and the sex and the nudity and stuff? Uh, and the just intense nature of the show in general. Okay, the intense, it doesn't seem like it would it didn't seem like it would be up your alley. The intense nature of the show does not bother me in the slightest. I love it. Uh it is on a medium which I can uh skip and fast forward scenes, so that also does not bother me as much as it would in the cinema. Um I I love this show. Uh sorry, we're actually going to talk about uh, the, the reason we brought it up in a minute, but I love this show because it is so cinematic and it is so it is so freed from any of the genres that are inherent to TV normally. You'll notice that every episode is the length that it needs to be. It doesn't have to fit in a window with commercials, right? Um, so so some episodes are 48 minutes, some episodes are 42 minutes, some episodes are 45. I think there was one that was like 51 minutes once last season. Uh, so the episodes are as long as they need to be to work. Uh, this, it's shot very cinematically. They're not afraid to to do things that would that, that on a regular TV show you would be bored, you know, or they would they would think, well, the the audience is going to be bored to tears by that. So they do things really well. I think uh, it's just kind of freeing from. It, it's like it's part miniseries, part movie, part TV show. I mean, it's just it's just great. I love it. So agreed. Yeah, it's seriously yeah, one mean, of my favorite shows that uh, uh, that comes on in any calendar year. It yeah. would be my top five easily, maybe in my top three. Yeah. It is very intense, though, Chad. I, I don't know if you'll be able to handle it, you young whippersnapper. Yeah. You. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll manage. Okay. I'll, I'll try and find the time sometime. We'll okay. See. So TV but, uh, line, and really I'm just mentioning this for our audience's sake. Um, it's, it's a, you know, TV line has uh, five things that you might want to know about House of Cards season two. If you don't mind some minor spoilers, and I, I really don't mind minor spoilers, um, you know, so – uh, I've only seen the first episode, unfortunately. I'm, I'm officially an old man now, so uh, I, I really just can't stay up too late these days and watch it. I've just got so much to do, and, and I, I really do poor poorly with, with lack of sleep these days. So, um, I've only had two episodes to watch since Sunday night, and I cannot find the time to do it. Because I'm busy podcasting. Well, I'm sorry about that. I wish, <laughs> I wish you could be uh, fulfilling your need to watch House of Cards right now. But anyway, oh, I, might, I might be on my iPad right now. <laughs> so anyway check out that article it's linked up in the show notes uh some good stuff and and i can certainly attest to the last point there's going to be shock and awe this season which there was in the very first episode something very much not expected and done in such a great way even though i hate them for it <laughs> um, loved it. i loved it and hated it at the same time right nope, just loved it just loved it okay it was i mean awesome. at this point it, it, it's like okay, we can kind of do this as insider talk. I think at this point it's a very slippery slope that he's on, and so you don't. Re- it's not really surprising that he would do that necessarily, but it's surprising how. Boy, I have to be careful with spoilers here. It's surprising. At the same well, time. yeah, it surprised me, but at the same time, uh, I, I read a review before the season uh, actually aired for someone who like got a, got to preview it, and they were like, "House of Cards totally embraces the fact that it's over the top." and almost tongue-in-cheek crazy and they take that to the next level in season two yeah and from episode one they basically do that well i mean so so think about what happened in the first season right and and kind of one of the penultimate things that happened and where frank went that you weren't sure if he was going to go there or not and you get the impression that was the first time he'd ever done something like that and now that he's done it well you know no big deal just we'll do it as many times as we need to to climb our way to the top of that uh, bloody ladder, you know. 
that it's hard to, I like, I know, um, you basically seen the first episode. And so <laughs> I want you to be like, yes, that's, I want to be with you. Like, Oh, that's crazy and shocking. But being 10 episodes down the road, there's a lot I'm, more. I'm, I'm like, yes, TJ, that's so shocking. Uh-oh. You okay. haven't begun yet. Okay. Well, that was I'm, not condescending. But, you know, <laughs> no, no, feel free to condescend it's, away. It's, it's, no, it's, so, it. it's so great. Continue. Just find time to watch it. I will. I will. I, I may, if I have time, watch an episode tonight. We'll see how that goes. All right, guys. Um, I don't know if you wanted this or not. I'm certainly interested, at least mildly. Uh, Black Widow is getting her own film. It's going to star, of course, Scarlett Johansson. It's part of the Marvel Universe. Um, this is according to Joanna Robinson over at Vanity Fair. Uh, Scarlett Johansson is about to shadow the comic book movie Glass Ceiling after stealing scenes from Tony Stark and the rest of the Superman and Iron Man 2 and the Avengers. Scarlett Johansson's popular spy character Black Widow is going to get her own movie. Marvel Studio President Kevin Feige has said that Marvel Movie Universe is going to change dramatically going forward, blah, blah, blah. So the 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 big point here is and, and I think the reason that I'm looking forward to this, I've I've really enjoyed Agents of Shield and kind of seeing the superhero universe without the superhero. And yes, Black Widow's kind of a superhero, but she's kind of not. She's just a normal person. In, right. in a lot of ways. And I think that's to me is what I'm looking forward to. I like the superheroes. I want to keep those going, but I want to continue developing the other world alongside of it. That I can, I think that's the, the thing that I'm excited about. I, I think it's great that they're finally going to try and do this sort of thing again, because uh, uh, historically female superhero films don't do very well. Um, and a lot of that has to do with script. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, the ones that have come out and failed had awful scripts, let's be honest. Um, and I think in the right hands that if it had a really good script, it could do well, but I'm just interested to see how that goes. You know, I actually took a, a superhero class just for fun uh, last year. And we talked about this sort of thing and, you know, the possibilities of why, or the reason, uh, the possibilities of the reasons why uh, female his, uh, superhero films just haven't really worked and why, a Wonder Woman movie uh, optioned by Joss Whedon didn't get uh, the green light or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really cool that they are giving it a go. And I'm curious to see how it turns out. Well, what I, what I would, okay. So think about this Buffy, one of the most amazing TV shows in, in ever Um, you've got Firefly, which has strong female characters. So, so just think about like, I, what I want is for Joss Whedon to direct this thing and bring all the sensibility that he brought to Buffy to uh, black widow. And and I think that would be amazing. Yeah, well, we've already seen from even the first Avengers film and uh, other Marvel's Marvel films that uh, uh, Joss Whedon writes female characters very well. Yes. Uh, so I think it could be a success, but we'll see. Fizz, you've been quiet over there. What? I'm I'm not. I'm definitely not watching House of Cards right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, seriously though, uh, I do think this film would do well. And I, well, I think it will do well there. Like I said, the Marvel, you know, ship has so much steam right now. Yeah. If they're going to try to dive back into these waters, this is about the only way to do it. Uh, I think we're, we're, we're inevitably going to see because whether we like it or not, the, the entire Batman, Superman, uh, Zack Snyder, kind of Chris Nolan, they're going to yeah. probably make a wonder woman movie. Um, yeah. I know no matter cast, but huh? I said since she's been cast in the new yeah, film. Yeah, since she's been cast, they're going to probably have some type of film or have her as a, a, a pretty prominent role. And 
like I said, whether we like it or not, that franchise is going to continue to make truckloads of money. Um, because Man of Steel, you know, I I didn't really like it all that much. TJ basically hated. It. I can't remember Chad where you were on that, but I you hate, know, I hate even being on the same planet where this movie was made. <laughs> <laughs> but but even so, it made truckloads of money. It sure did. And so the Batman Superman movie, even though I don't have a lot of high hopes, I'm still going to pay to go see it. Oh, sure. I am too. And it's going to make truckloads of money. So uh, the the only thing is that I do find um, there's a couple – like if they try to do a Black Widow movie and try to make it a superhero movie, I think they're probably going to do it a disservice because she's not really a superhero um, I think if they make it kind of like a, a dark backstory, how she became Black Widow, um, almost like an espionage kind of uh, Jack Ryan kind of movie. Yeah, I think it, it could do really well um, incorporating some of those uh, that superhero universe in there. Well, we already know they've already been talking about the backstory we're going to get with uh, with Black Widow in Captain America, too. So I don't know if that's setting the stage to go back and really tell that or if that's here's the backstory you're going to need to know for the Black Widow movie. Now we're going to move on from that. I don't know for sure about that. But I, I do think that, yeah, that I, and I think I would assume Joss Whedon knows this, that what we want is not Black Widow, the superhero. We want Black Widow living in the superhero world, but she's trying to fit in, as we saw in the Avengers, and she's not quite a superhero. I mean, that's what we saw in the Avengers. I mean, it's not like she doesn't have talents and it's not like she's not a spy. I mean, we saw her manipulate Loki into doing exactly what she wanted him to do, but it's that she doesn't have powers. And I'm assuming and and I'm I'm hoping because I I think, boy, I don't think it said here. I think I read somewhere that uh, the Black Widow movie would be in phase three. And so we know that Joss Whedon is shepherding kind of the universe through phase two. I really hope he continues on with that, and I don't see any reason why he wouldn't at this point because everything's going so well, and I think this is what Joss Whedon has wanted to do for years. Um, so if 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 he, if he even if he's not directing the film, if he can be involved in the shepherding of that, I think we're going to be very happy. So we'll see. Yeah. Yep. Cool. All right, guys, the time has arrived. Fizz has been waiting and waiting and waiting for this. He just can't wait to tell me about how wrong I am. About my opinion about the 1987 RoboCop movie, which I thought we would talk about a little bit first, you know, and I did write a review of both films. I did see both films this past weekend. Uh, pretty, you know, it was on Friday night, I watched RoboCop 1987. And then on Saturday, I went to the theater and watched RoboCop 2014 starring Joel Kinnaman. And I got to say, guys, I was really disappointed with the 1987 RoboCop movie. I, I just, I, I didn't connect with it. I didn't like it. I didn't think that... It was up to the standards that um, – uh, what's that actor's name that played RoboCop? Um, Peter Weller. Peter Weller. I didn't think it was Weller. up to Peter Weller's standards. I mean I thought he did a terrible job. I, I did not like much about this film, guys. Wow. So you do have bad taste in everything. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw that out there. No. I, I, can, I mean actually I went I went back and watched it again recently because I have very fond memories of RoboCop. Not uh, – RoboCop 2 to a slightly lesser extent and RoboCop 3 kind of striking me as a joke, which I think it was a joke. But um, (laughs) I was like, you know what? I always really, like I said, I did have fond memories and I didn't want to go into watching the new RoboCop just on my impressions of the 
probably half dozen times I've seen RoboCop, the original. Right. Uh, so I went and watched it recently. My wife actually hadn't seen it. And I was like, sweetie, let's watch this together. So <laughs> if it's bad, I'm watching it with you and we can enjoy it. And I was almost floored because I was, I completely expected the movie not to hold up, um, to be a lot campier and cornier than I remember it being. And I was incredibly surprised that, uh, the story had a number of layers. It did something that we don't see a lot of, and that is actually have good guys who are good guys and bad guys who are bad guys, which is a very eighties, early nineties thing to do. Um, we, we've kind of gotten out of that as we kind of hit the, the turn of the century. Like we, we, we now, if, if a good guy's good, we don't like him. And if a bad guy's bad, he's boring, but, um, it really worked in RoboCop, the original, um, uh, Peter Weller's acting and some of the acting in the movie was very eighties and doesn't really work. Doesn't really hold up. Um, but that's about my only complaint. The, the way that the story was written, the way that RoboCop is created, the way that, um, he has to battle between, uh, to find his humanity again. And, the the citizen reaction to him, um, the bad guy reaction to him, and the ultimate way the oh gosh, I, don't, I guess we're, it doesn't matter if I'm spoiling RoboCop from 1987, right? No, go go. Oh, okay, ahead. and the and the the way that he eventually overcomes the bad guy in the end wasn't like um, the yes I can can do um, strong will American attitude. It was like it was a true dystopian technology having to find a way around the solution um, with him having to be fired at the end before he shot the dude out the window. It was great. And like I said, besides the acting and the the effects are obviously dated, but at the time they were state of the art um, watching like the stop motion, you know, Ed 209, (laughs) Um, you know, so that was, that was rough, but I really like this movie. Um, I'm one of the few people who somehow like, Paul Verhoeven as a director. Mm. Um, I realize that his style isn't for everybody, but I love how he blends in like external sources, uh, like the media, the I'll buy that for a dollar kind of um, uh, the news feeds that come in kind of yeah. saying what's going yeah. on because he does the same thing in, in total recall. He does the same thing, especially in um, starship troopers. And I just think it works all day. Um, and like I said, because it's a dystopian, uh, pseudo future, um, the, the fact that RoboCop is very stiff that, you know, it's like the first time they've ever tried to put a human in a machine. So it's not going to be like, I'm doing backflips and rolling and, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. It's, it's very, um, like an indestructible man, a dude in a suit. And I really felt that, um, I didn't think it reached too far. So all that to say, I really, really enjoyed the original RoboCop, even in 2014. I mean, it's not like a, a movie that I would say is like um, one of the best films ever made. I think I, I I thought about it for a while and I gave it like three and a half stars. It, it's um, it, it's not. There's lots of things that can be done better because it is it is Paul Verhoeven, not Steven Spielberg, right? You know, um, but for an action type. Uh, conspiracy thriller dystopian sci-fi especially around that time it really fits the mold of a lot of things that were made around then 
So yeah, I don't deny that. Uh, I, I would say that it very well fits the mold. I, 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 there are a few exceptions, but I, I don't tend to like '80s movies that much. Um, and and I was really hoping though to be proven wrong by this film when I watched it, or or to at least this be one of the exceptions. Um, and and I will freely admit, okay, near future is probably one of the hardest types of sci-fi to do because just look at Back to the Future. And, and, and Back to the Future is actually a really good ele- example of an 80s movie that I love that kind of transcended <laughs> its shortcomings because it's very 80s. It's really, really 80s. And, and so 80s. It's so 80s. <laughs> and, and back to, you know, the, even I think the reason the first movie works so well is because they're going back in time and not forward for one thing. Uh, but it, it focused more on the story and the characters where – I think that RoboCop, it really wants to be grounded in its time, and it wants to be for its time instead of for uh, instead of trying to last forever or or to make a story that will resonate with people in the future. Because there's so much political satire in it that just doesn't work so well today to me. Um, and you know, the, and, and then there's just the compounding issue of the technology vision is just so off and off-putting to me. I wouldn't say that that sort of thing would, you know, completely ruin my enjoyment of the film. It just kind of compounded the issues that were already present for me. Um, I I think this film is one of the most genre-confused films I've seen in quite a long time. It didn't know whether to be a comedy or an action movie or the blood, guts, and gore thing or or wanted wanted to be a drama or a crime scene, you know, crime-fighting movie it just couldn't figure out what it wanted to be when it grew up and so it tried to be everything and it turned out to be nothing that i mean i know that again i know that my opinion is very much uh not shared by almost anybody that you know you look on rotten tomatoes and this you know this film has high ratings from from people that i wouldn't expect to give it high ratings like roger ebert um <laughs> it's you know i i don't know i i just found the movie to be silly and and tedious well i w- i would say that I I can see tediousness and I don't I do think there is some merit to um your view of the film but genre confused is not something that I could I could really get on board with. I don't think it's ever trying to be funny. Um well that you're certainly in the minority on that opinion I will say because a lot of people talk about the comedy of the film. I I I think um the comedy the, the I use quote marks. No one can see the comedy of the film is only to show to, like the uh, the anesthetation anesthetization of society to things. They yeah. I'll buy that for a dollar guy. The like constant laughing at violence and stuff like that. Yeah, it's not or the fact that we're watching a movie that was made in 1987, like you know, 20 years later or wait, hold on, like 30, 30 years. Dang, I'm so old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like 30 years later. Uh, and there are things funny about it. Um, I, I just didn't think it was trying to be a comedy. I didn't really think it was trying to be like a, like a, a really like a, a detective drama or anything. Cause it really wasn't focused on RoboCop. Uh, it wasn't really a political thing. Cause you didn't really get politics involved. I just think it was a dystopian sci-fi movie um, with a crime element. It, it really reminded me a lot of um, when I watch things like dark city or without the, the, the psychological part, kind of like that Blade Runner detective kind of thing. Um, like I said, just a really dark picture of the future and what a, a certain scenario would look like that, what greed and, 
uh, stuff would look like if at the corporate level, if it was taking over a city um, in, like I said, with the police department as an example. So I, I didn't really feel like it was that confused because like I said, it reminded me of a lot of other movies that were made at the time. Yeah. Okay. So I guess, I mean, but then again, it's an eighties movie. So you could say every eighties movies genre confused because it was the eighties and everyone was confused about everything. Well, <laughs> I certainly would not buy that for a dollar. <laughs> Uh, no, I, but I, I do totally uh, understand. Uh, you know, I, I rarely get upset with people when their opinion on movies differs with mine, unless it's in jest or, or you know, to put on a show on the podcast. But um, <laughs> so, so I hate you. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, so I mean, I, I totally understand if you like this movie. No, I, I don't. But I mean, I, I get it. I don't, but I do. Does that make any sense? Am I making any sense at all? No. <laughs> You're not going to make me mad that you don't like this. Well, okay, you are making me mad that you don't like this movie, but it's it's le- it's more about a comparison contrast. I can understand people who don't like this movie, but if you don't like this movie, I don't really see um, how you're going to really like the next movie all that much more. Mm, see, I disagree with that completely. That's what confuses me. Okay. Are we ready to talk about the next movie and, and ready to let Chad get in this conversation? Yeah, I just missed Chad. Kind of left out. Yeah. Okay. Yay, Chad. All right, so <laughs> RoboCop 2014 in theaters February the 12th. It had a budget of $100 million, quite a bit more, even even inflation-adjusted, quite a bit more than the original. Uh, and, drumroll please, it only made $21.6 million on its opening weekend. Worldwide, it has only grossed $99.9 million, just barely up to the budget. doesn't include marketing or anything like that, so they're losing money on this film so far, and it's not good. It's not getting good reviews. People don't like it. Um you know, Lego movies trouncing it and Lego movies been out for a couple of weeks. Uh, so not good, not good. Um, I actually saw the Lego movie again before I saw this. <laughs> so you're help, you're, you're helping the Lego movie. Um, uh, yeah, Chad's fault. it's, it's your fault. That's right. It's your fault. Uh, so Ron tomato says that while it's far better than it could have been, Joseph Padilla's R- Robocop remake fails to offer a significant improvement over the original. I'm, uh, Joseph. Why did I say Joseph? Jose. I saw J O and and first it's first it's J Lo and now it's Jose. Yeah. Okay. So so Jose Padilla's RoboCop. I told myself. Jeez. All right. Jose Padilla's RoboCop remake fails to offer a significant improvement over the original. Directed by Jose Padilla, written by uh, Joshua Zetumer, and then the original screenplay of the 1987 film, uh, which on which this film was based, was Edward Numier and Michael Miner. Uh, stars Joel Kinnaman as Alex Murphy, Gary Oldman as uh, Dr. Dennett Norton, Michael Keaton as Raymond Sellers, uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Rick Maddox, Jennifer Ellie as Liz Klein, Samuel L. Jackson as Pat Novak. Music by Pedro uh, Bromf- Bromfman? <laughs> uh, I don't know. So, Chad, why don't you explain to us what this story is about? Okay. In RoboCop, the year is 2028, and multinational conglomerate Omnicorp is at the center of robot technology. Overseas, their drones have been used by the military for years. It's meant billions for Omnicorp's bottom line. Now Omnicorp wants to bring their controversial technology to the home front, and they see a golden opportunity to do it. When Alex Murphy, a loving husband, father, and good cop doing his best to stem the tide of crime and corruption in Detroit, is critically injured in the line of duty, Omnicorp sees their chance for a part-man, part-robot police officer. Omnicorp envisions a RoboCop in every city and even more billions for their shareholders, but they never counted on one thing. 
there is still a man inside the machine pursuing justice. Not a horrible description. Not the worst. Yeah. So, uh, what, what, all right. So, Chad, you've been having to endure us talking about the original RoboCop. Why don't you tell us what you thought about this new film? I was surprised that I enjoyed it. I, I mean, like I said, I haven't seen the original. I didn't really have much interest in the remake. Um, so I saw it for the purpose of the podcast and that's just about it. You poor thing. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I actually really enjoyed it. I, I was entertained throughout at least. Um, nothing really stands out as a huge dislike for me. I mean, there were a couple of things, sure, but overall I have a pretty good opinion of this film. This? Well, um, it, it honestly felt like the creators of this movie had four or five ideas on how to honestly make the original RoboCop story better. But instead of just like taking one of those ideas and making it truly a better movie by like maybe just adjusting the story in one way and focusing on one big idea, um, they, they basically failed to cram all of those ideas into one movie. Uh, so it, it really didn't, I really didn't understand what point they were trying to make or emphasize at any one time. The story seemed very uh, all over the place. Like, Oh, look at this really important idea. That's, you know, it really defines humanity, but by, by thinking about this thing, Oh, oh just picking, we fix that. Now let's move on to the next thing. Did that's you, really intense. You were so and, confused. Do we even see the same movie? Uh, we did. And actually a lot of people on Rotten Tomatoes apparently agree with me. Yeah. So, <laughs> so again, I win. So, uh, though, uh, with a solid supporting cast and some moments of flash, uh, I'm not here to completely poo poo on this film. Uh, I don't think it's a bad film. Um, and I think especially if you, um, have a fondness for the robo cop, um, catalog of films, it's definitely, uh, worth checking this film out. So, See, now I think just the opposite. I think that if you like the original, you're probably not going to like this one. And I've heard that opinion echoed in, in various places that it, it, it feels almost um, like they're dismissing the original and saying, here's here's our take. And, and they're not going to like it as much because they want it to be more like the original. That's what I, that's more the opinion of what I've been seeing. That was certainly the opinion. Uh, I listened to a podcast on uh, on uh, Monday uh, where they talked about it, and that was the opinion of of two of the three that were talking about it. That you know they they probably should have should have just changed the name of this film and changed the names of the characters and called it something else, and then it would have been fine. But you're now associating it with the old RoboCop, and because so many people have a fondness for that, that they now just it, there's no way to disconnect it, and so they want it to be what the original was. And this film is nothing like the original, not not really. There's a ba- some basic core concepts that are the same, such as a man in a suit uh, being, you know, with with computer programming kind of ruling his life. And, and, and you know, they even went to the same place at one point where uh, Robocop was completely basically a computer program and there was no man uh, discernible at, some, at a certain point. And, you know, he had to overcome that. Um, so they, so yes, there are some similarities, but uh, even right off the bat, at first you think, oh, they're starting with a news broadcast just like the original, but then they go to such a different place. Like the, the Ed 209 is widely deployed in, you know, foreign countries and the Americans are, you know, soldiers are using these Ed 209s to subjugate the citizens of other countries. 
and immediately you're just in a completely different space and in, in, in place than where you were in the first film. And I, I actually thought that was quite refreshing um, just to say, you know what? We don't really care what the original film, what the kind of the circumstances were there. We're, we're going to make our own story here. And, and I appreciated that a lot. And I think that's because I didn't like the original. <laughs> um, the, the Novak element may be one of my favorite parts of the film. I don't know. There were a lot of favorite parts, but, but just the entire Novak element to me encapsulates everything that's wrong with the American media. And, and I think that was intentional. And I think that is a, a message that will resonate, um, better i could be wrong but i i think that they were trying to do that in the original robocop and they kind of failed because it just didn't it didn't resemble anything that we could connect with in today's world so um you know their news broadcast kind of just flopped where i felt like the novak element was was perfect um it, well, it was more over the top see like you know it it wasn't commonplace for people to accuse the news of biasness in 1987 so the the stuff in the the original RoboCop is a lot more subtle. The, the stuff in this one has to be like a a satire of the O'Reilly Factor. Well, for it to say, get your attention, I was going to say, have you seen the O'Reilly Factor? Unfortunately, yes. Unfortunately for me as well, Chad. No, <laughs> you are so lucky. <laughs> um, th- yes, th- that's exactly kind of what this was a parody of, and. Man, I hate the O'Reilly Factor so much. Well, to be fair to the O'Reilly Factor, this is obviously a pretty intense version of a satire. I don't think this was exactly what you get with the O'Reilly Factor. No, but I, think, I wouldn't say that. I think it was. I think it was very heavy-handed to to kind of give you a satire of that. So, any fans of the O'Reilly Factor, I'm not saying it was the same thing, but I can tell what they were going for. Oh, sure, and and I'm I'm assuming that anybody who likes the O'Reilly Factor is completely offended and would not watch this movie, or was sorry that they did. No, they're busy not watching the Lego movie. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> because it's anti-capitalist. It's anti-American, right. and, and and they hate George Washington, apparently. Yeah, a, a movie that an, an hour and a half long commercial for Legos is something that's anti-capitalist. I know, it's so stupid. <laughs> uh, but we're not here to talk about the Lego movie. We're here to talk about the O'Reilly factor. No. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it, I, I, thought that, uh, I thought that was perfect. And I, I thought Samuel L. Jackson did a great job in that role. I really liked um, kind of the, the the who watches the watchers aspect of this, uh, you know, where the Ed 209 being widely deployed by American soldiers, you know, keeping the peace in foreign countries. That's not that's not such a stretch to 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 see the U.S. meddling where it doesn't belong in, in you know, still in that future in that way. You know, it's a little bit of a stretch, but not a lot. You know, I, I, I don't think it is. So, um, yeah, I, I really like that aspect of it. And then to me, like this film, you know, it had those elements and they're in place and they may not mean as much in 30 years, kind of the way the satire of the original doesn't mean as much now, but there is a backup element that's actually the primary element and that's the story. Like, I feel like the story of this film resonates so much more. He's connected with his family. We get to know him and his family. That was completely missing from the original. I felt so disconnected from all the family stuff that happened later in the film where he's remembering things because we never got to know him in, in the context of his family. And, and it was just so disconnected. And, and that was a, a big part of this movie for me. So, Chad? Yeah, there, you know, there were actually a couple of parts in the movie where I did feel really emotionally invested in 
this character situation and his uh, strenuous at the moment relationship with his family, with his wife and his son. Yeah. Um, with that moment when he first comes home and um, his son's like, you know, I recorded all the Redskins games. Uh, I haven't watched him yet because I was going to wait to watch him with you. And it's been three months or four months at this point. Right. And uh, I, I don't know that that scene in particular, I remember I had a pretty strong reaction to. Um, and so uh, I, I really liked that aspect of it. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So th- this is one of my this movie could have been really good if that's what the point was. Like I did not enjoy the family aspect of this at all because I don't think it was done very well. Um, I don't really think they honestly developed the relationship um, between Murphy and his wife enough for me to like the child kind of used as like, this is a symbol for you should care about Murphy's family. Um, I didn't really care about the kid, I thought he was just on screen making dog eyes the whole time or like dog eyes. Uh, and there wasn't really any substance to him, which is why I preferred the original, not having the family there at all, because you have Murphy remembering in the original, you have Murphy remembering that he was human and remembering that there was another life that he had and he can never go back to that. And so he has to really struggle with who he is and what he's going to do in the future. I felt it was pretty weak. This movie where uh, Gary Oldman, who does a great job, basically is trying to convince, you know, uh, Kinnaman Murphy. Kill himself or not want to die because he doesn't want to go see his family again. Uh, I'm like, well, one, I don't I don't understand. He's actually got something to live for in this movie and he doesn't want to. The other one actually had to overcome loneliness and. Uh, all this stuff and find family basically again. So like I said, I think if they were going to do the family angle, they needed to do it a lot better. They needed to make it more of a front and center, not just a, Oh yeah. Murphy needs something to trigger this plot device so he can overcome technology. Well, first of all, why do you hate Americans and families so much? <laughs> well, I, isn't it obvious? Um, secondly, I, I disagree with your point there, and, and I would ask you this. Do you have any children? I do not have any children. Ah, okay. Uh, I, I didn't think you did. I couldn't remember for sure. Um, I, I, I don't believe that my reaction would be that on learning that I had no body and that I was horribly, you know, like I basically I was reduced to a head and lungs. I don't believe that would be my reaction, but I can understand how – as a father, you try to be there for your children. You you try to be strong for them that you don't want to – I don't know how to describe it. Like, But, you know, you are their protector. You are their leader. And for them to see you in such a compromised position and, and just kind of the depression of that whole scene. Oh, that was such a – wow. Ugh. Uh, as they were <laughs> removing those parts of, of the robot, I, I wasn't even sure until that point, like, how much of him is there. And I can I can see it. I don't – think it's the reaction i would have and i don't obviously think it's the appropriate reaction but i i get it and and i i thought it was fine i um i might not have gone there if i was the filmmaker so i'm I'm kind of torn on the fence on that one but i don't i don't have the aversion to it that you seem to have no well that's the thing i i understand the concept that you were talking about and the feelings that you were talking about which is what i wanted to feel but I don't feel like they achieve that um, in the film. Like I wanted to, I wanted to have him 
really connect with his son, but I felt it was very contrived. I don't feel like it was honest emotion. I didn't think they earned this earned the connection that they were assuming the audience had Hmm. for me. I agree. I agree that from the outset, we didn't spend enough time with him, with his family to get enough of that relationship to make it hit harder. Um, whenever they did try and bring in that element. I mean, he was, uh, a human for a very short amount of time before he was turned into RoboCop. And, um, so you're right, Fizz. I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot of time for them to develop that relationship. He and was, so I, he was human longer than the original RoboCop was. He, he was, but that's the thing. That's why in the original RoboCop, they didn't try to like bring his family back. Like, who are these people that he's supposed to care about in the original? He's it's, they're showing his humanity, not necessarily his like, Oh, I wish I had my boy again. It's like, I wish I was a human. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's a different point, which is why I, I like, don't get me like, don't get me wrong. Like this is why I said, I felt like they had four or five really good ideas on how to make the original RoboCop better. Um, and I think one of those is if we would have spent a significant amount of time, like Chad says with, with Alex Murphy, the cop, but instead we get like a very cliche. Oh, don't be the guy that goes in there, Murphy, you know, and, and his partner's kind of hurt maybe. And then he gets his partner killed, but not killed, but then shot. And this family's just thrown in there at the end. And so I don't really understand. Hmm. It's almost like we didn't even see the same film. <laughs> Well, that was the, that was the thing about your, um, uh, that was the thing about your review that really got me. I I was reading the, the review for the, the, the first one, the original RoboCop. And I was like, I feel like you're describing the new RoboCop that couldn't decide (laughs) what it wanted to be. They're, they're trying to do two different things in the original. They, they weren't really trying to show that he missed his family. They were trying to show that he missed his identity as a human as compared to a robot. So in the, I like the concept of them being like, okay, his, his driving force in the new RoboCop movie, since it's not just a remake, it's a kind of reinterpretation, which is also cool is that he's really going to be fighting to become the husband again. And I like that idea, but I thought it was done incompletely. I I needed more. I needed some real moments between him and his son, not just one where he comes home one time and hugs his son and then kisses his wife. And has a very awkward sex scene with his wife. I need. I needed more than that. Yeah. I don't know. I it, it just uh, Chad. I think you were going to say something, so uh, I'll let you talk just one second because uh, okay. I'm mean that way. I, I think that <laughs> this this new one just resonated with me more. Like I didn't care. I get what you're saying. But I didn't care about his identity as a human as much as I cared about his connection with his family. It's the same thing. <laughs> no, because they're not not in the original. Chad, uh, I will say that after I had that moment when he first came home, it it was just sort of a dropped concept because there was a moment when uh, he gets all the files uploaded. He's going about doing his RoboCop duties, and he's told he he con- he's confronted by his wife, and he's told about all the problems his son is having, and so that's when the human side of him starts to come back, but it's not because of any affection he seems to be having for his family, even though that's the way they almost set it up to be. Does that make sense? Uh, Like they set it up. Oh, your son is being ostracized by his peers. He doesn't like to show his face. Um, 
come home, please. I, I, we want you to be part of the family. And he drives off. He starts accessing the files from his murder, goes home to visit the crime scene and then leaves. And his family or his relationship to his family isn't visited again until like the very end of the film. Yeah, I mean, okay, I'll give you that. It is a little strange. I hadn't thought about that, but I, you are right. It's just a slightly weird that that the thing that he that yes, they're trying to access him emotionally, but then he starts checking into his own crime, and that's what really gets things going. I'll I'll give you that. It's a little strange. I hadn't thought of that. Well, yeah. which which again is the original. The original his he's haunted by his death. And so that's what drives him. It's very clear in the original what drives him to to remember that he's Murphy um, and to solve that crime. And this one, like Chad says, I'm not really sure. Is, is it because he he's sad because his son's being picked on or his wife's crying at home without him? Or is it because he is trying to hold up this pack that he has with his old or with his partner or is it because he just loves justice and wants to get bad guys off the street? Or, I mean, like, I don't understand. Like I said, this is why it felt scattered to me. I'm like, what, what exactly is the motivation for my character? The the driving motivation, not like the, the uh, peripheral motivation. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I, I still think, for me, the, the new one resonated better. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're bringing up some valid points. All part of my plan. Yes, it was. I, I, I admit, I'm, I'm being overwhelmed. Um, but but can we can we at least admit that Gary Oldman is amazing in this film? Yes, I think Gary Oldman definitely stole the show, and I actually really liked Michael Keaton as well. Yeah, no, he mm-hmm. was good too. Gary Oldman is is basically the unsung star of this movie. Not not that the movie wasn't uh, made what it was by Joel Kinnaman, who did a fantastic job, but Gary Oldman. Uh, I mean, I like him in everything I've seen him in anyway, but I mean, to me, his performance here was fantastic. Yeah. So I, you no no Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) So this is more of my good, bad. Okay. And you'll, you'll probably get this for almost everything that I like and or dislike in this movie. Um, I think that the actors in this movie and the acting in general, uh, outshined what we saw in the original RoboCop agreed, Um, which I, yeah, I think we can all agree on. My problem with that is an actor like, uh, Gary Oldman, who, um, I believe you said he's like one of the greatest of our time. Um, yeah, I I think I I would put him way up there. I felt that we maybe you were talking about somebody else in one of your reviews that you said that. No, I think that I did think I did say that. Um, which I would agree. I think he is a superb actor. I felt like he had these emotions and reactions and delivered his lines in an amazing way. And the script kept making him irrelevant because he would have these deep emotions. I'm like, I would say Gary Oldman, his, his doctor character is conflicted about this thing. And he makes me think that he would never do this. And then the script just makes him go. And then I flip the switch and I'm like, what? No, but I, I think it showed that he was having this conflict, and he's like, well, okay, maybe it's not so bad. And then at some point, it got to be, yeah, no, I can't do this anymore. I, that was what I took away from it. I, I, like I said, I, I, it's hard to take – I think you can only do as much as the script gives you, and, and I think he does an amazing job. And I think Michael Keaton also does an amazing job interpreting that character 
Um, uh-huh. I just, I just didn't feel like the script was consistent enough with those characters, motivations and desires um, that I was really able to follow the decisions they made, even though when they made those decisions, I thought they, they were executed ma- majestically. Let's say majestically. Okay. <laughs> oh, and, and one of my favorite parts of this movie where, because I thought this movie was sincerely trying to be funny. Um, it was Jay Baruchel, Baruchel. Oh yeah. Um, the guy Baruchel. that, pl- yeah, Baruchel. he's the, he's the guy that uh, plays, uh, the main guy. Hiccup. Like, yeah. Hiccup and how to train your dragon. Uh, he was the marketing guy in this one. The kind of scrawny. Oh no. How are we doing? That, that guy. <laughs> um, I, 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 he was almost completely unnecessary in this movie. Yet I enjoyed almost any time he said anything on screen. I'm not quite sure who we're talking too. about. I enjoyed it too, but mainly because I was picturing an animated character. Yes, that. Well, I, I think he kind of looks like an animated character, so it's not very hard. Yeah. Um. He was. He was the guy. It's like, oh, I'm just the marketing guy, and he's like, get on your knees. You know, he. He kept showing up and he, he was the one that kept coming in and talking to Michael Keaton and being like, oh, this is testing out oh, of the world oh, with, yeah, yeah, yeah. with, the, with seniors or, you know, this is testing great with uh, minorities and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That, I know who you're talking about. Sure. I, I just re- I really liked his contributions, though. I didn't really think they were necessary. And it's very, very rare that I find a character unnecessary and enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. So well, hey, we're 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 probably needing to move into uh, toward the end of this podcast here. But I, I did have actually a couple of things I didn't like about this film. But you guys have been—I I almost feel like I shouldn't even mention them because you guys have been bringing up so much stuff that and hating on this film so much. Well, no, it's just huh. a back and forth. I mean, <laughs> I know I'm kidding. <laughs> but, We've intertwined instead of making it all like and then all dislike. Yeah, it's kind of been like a. I do like that, but I, I couldn't help but have a little bit of fun at your expense. So always, uh, or, or mine, as the case might be. <laughs> Uh, so I did find that the action scenes were just a bit incomprehensible, which I always, I find deplorable. I I don't like that. This is 2014. We can make better action movies. We can make better action sequences. We don't have to be, you don't just stick a camera out there and shake it around and hope for the best. I mean, let's choreograph these things. Dang it. Why, why are we still putting up with action scenes that are from Born Identity 2? It just drives me nuts. I mean, I didn't notice shaky camera or anything and i thought that the action scenes were actually pretty fun okay so um, i will admit that um the it wasn't as much shaky cam as it was hey let's just stick a camera out there and see if the if see if we can cut it together later i mean that's what it felt like to me it just felt a little hard to follow well uh, <laughs> I, I always feel like i have to have these long intros because i'm <laughs> gonna say something that tj hates <laughs> and, I, and i hate to disappoint you tj uh well let me say it this way I agree with you, but the reason I agree with you is more reasons why I like the original better. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, that's what, okay, and I can give you that. I would say the action was, though I didn't. Hmm, the action sequences were easier to follow in the original. Well, and I think that the my one of my complaints about, or the or one of my biggest differences in these two movies originally was the fact that, like I said, in a not too distant future, when I think of what would it probably look like having to have human parts moving around um, in a mechanical body. The original RoboCop looks like what I would think the first attempt at that looks like. He's going to be a little slow. He's not going to have super speed or anything like that. Um, He's going to be fairly bulletproof. um, But, you know, it's going to be very deliberate actions, great aim, 
um, a solid fighter, but he's not like a ninja. And in the new RoboCop movie, I didn't really like, even though the action scenes were fun, it would have been a lot more fun if I wasn't watching RoboCop do it. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, it felt like I was watching kind of like a Transformers action sequence, just like maybe if we have stuff firing and blowing up, then people will forget that it doesn't make any sense. Um, and like I said, it's a little hard for me to believe that even in a not too distant future um, that I'm assuming that they're describing in the new RoboCop movie that, like I said, that this Murphy robot RoboCop would be like jumping on top of things, flying and rolling and uh, it's just like I said, it was a little, it was a little too unbelievable. I mean, oh gosh, as much as a robot fight can be believable, <laughs> you know, keep, keeping the whole sci-fi genre, you know, it just didn't play out well. A lot from what you're saying because it was hard to follow. It it was trying to do too much. Now wait, are you saying RoboCop was a robot? I'm not following. <laughs> Which is my problem with the new RoboCop. I didn't think he was a robot. <laughs> um, but but like I said, it's it's that really tough that tough ground to follow because how how much do you think we're going to advance i guess if they have ed 208s in in this new robocop it's a little more understandable that they'll have fast moving okay high athleticism you, kind you of claim to be a fan of robocop right uh-huh have you caught your mistake yet um the fact that i called them ed 208s which in the new movie uh, is what they're called no they're ah uh, not so yeah, sure not, about that i'm not talking about the ed 209s um, the Ed 209s in the new one are still the big whatever's the Ed 208s or the uh, the individual unit soldiers. Ed two oh 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 I, I guess I didn't oh, catch that. Oh, okay, oh. all right, all right, that's right. <laughs> Just back on up. All right, I stand corrected. I accept your apology, <laughs> but I didn't apologize. Oh, but I you said, did. I said I stand corrected. Okay, well, um, all right, so I do have a couple more minor things, and then um, if you guys have any more opin- invalid opinions to present, uh, we can do that. <laughs> um, I, I want to know why in the world they were uploading this ginormous, huge database of things that might overload Robocop's processors five minutes before a press conference. What because is up with that? the script required them to. Yes. Yeah, bad script. Yeah, that was dumb. That was retarded. <laughs> that, that was manufactured drama. I do not like manufactured drama in fact i hate manufactured drama a lot and that really bothered me that may be my entire extra star that i didn't give this film right there <laughs> tj was it also i don't remember i looked over your review but uh didn't you say was didn't you complain about her his wife going up to the roof at the end of the film i did is that you okay yeah that it, bothered me too it didn't bother me as much as the database thing but it did bother me because <laughs> like why okay so she's already been told by michael keaton's character your husband is dead. She's walking out. She's basically spit on the floor and said, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. I will never see you again. I'm leaving. Don't bother me. Don't send any help. I'm going my own way. Right? So that's, she's walked out. She comes down to the lower level and, and there's a lot of action going on. In uh, one of the security guards says, ma'am, you have to go that way. This way's blocked off. And she says, I want to see Raymond Sellers right now. And that was just such an incomprehensible reaction to me. I don't understand. Why would that be her reaction? No, it's like when you get in an argument with somebody and then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, oh, I should have said that. She was really just going to go back and give him like a, you know, one of those lines that she had thought of. Are you and you're buying this? <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I wouldn't buy that for ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't get it. That's the stupidest thing. All right, guys, that's pretty much it for me. What do you, you guys got anything else? 
I have two quick things to say. Um, if the you first, must, if you must, go ahead. <laughs> the first, I thought that Joel Kinnaman was a very good RoboCop, but yes. I did not think he was a good human. Uh, he he was already part robot. When oh, he died. <laughs> now. And uh, I agree I with mean, Chad. Of course you do. You two like to gang up on me. I don't even know why I invite you on my podcast. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I thought he was a fine human. I would agree that he was a better RoboCop than he was a human. I thought he did fine at being a human. And I think that every bit of him was better than Peter Weller, which I am ashamed to say because I thought Peter Weller was fantastic in Star Trek, for instance. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Like, I, to me, he was so much better than RoboCop from the previous film that it just overshadowed that for me. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm biased by having just seen the original RoboCop and hating it so much. I, I don't know. Peter Weller maybe was also so. a bad human, but he was a great RoboCop. Mm. Yeah. And then my other small complaint was that they used the original RoboCop's theme song. Um, what? You didn't hear that? Yeah. No, no, no. And, I know like, they did. Okay. That was my favorite part. Okay. Okay. See, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind the it. The issue I had with it. I mean, obviously, I, I, didn't, I didn't know at first that it was the original RoboCop theme, cop theme, but I assumed as much because it sounded so incredibly out of place. Kind of. It, it, it sound from the moment the 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 title played across the screen with the the theme coming in, we hadn't heard any musical cue up to that point that made that sounded anything like that. And then for the rest of the film, there were maybe only one or two instances that sort of. Uh, fit into that style of sound that they had. And, you know, I think that there've been so many remakes recently that do a good job of separating themselves. You have Spider-Man that had a completely new score and a new theme. You had, oh, I'm sorry, TK. I'm hurting. Uh, you had the Batman series. You had the Superman, uh, Man of Steel movie. You have, <gasps> and even Star Trek. While Star right, Trek did pay right here, homage Chad, to, it hits me right here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Star Trek did pay homage to the original film or the original t- uh, television series theme in the end credits. Um, it did have its own new theme as well, in addition, and it was the primary theme. Here, it was just they, they slapped in the new theme because they wanted to say, oh, by the way, guys, this is RoboCop. But I think that this reboot, from the way y'all are talking, is such a huge departure from the original. Why not make that schism much clearer by just coming up with new music that fits it better? Uh, I would agree, actually. So I, I didn't mind... Uh, I can get what you're saying, but I didn't mind because I typically, and I guess I don't mind on behalf of people who liked RoboCop because I really hate it when there's really, you know, music that I love from an original thing that's being rebooted and it's not used at all. Like that bothers me, but I I don't know. I would have been fine without it, but I didn't mind it in there. I didn't feel once I thought, oh, that's a little out of place, but it was mostly fine for me. The, my biggest problem with it, because I love that very strong RoboCop theme. Um, But in the original RoboCop, you don't get the original RoboCop theme until well into the movie when there are times when it is very appropriate to what's going on on screen. And so while I'm glad they incorporated it, I do agree, like especially the opening credits, it didn't fit at all. Um, It was just so strange. It was, it was very odd. I was like, I was so excited just to hear it because I love the theme (laughs) that like I overlooked it, but like thinking back, you're right. It was way out of place. Um, I would have preferred it just to have come like in one climactic kind of um, point, but, um, and I would have enjoyed just a, 
I felt like it was kind of laziness, which leads me to one of my my least favorite things about the new RoboCop movie, which is I felt like they they did almost every single callback to the original RoboCop wrong, <laughs> um, from the music to um, well, okay, I did like the I'll buy that for a dollar when they threw that in, um, but the I was waiting the entire movie for him to say you know dead or alive you're coming with me you know and it ended up being such a throwaway line that was i don't know delivered so poorly at the end of the new robocop movie i i actually sunk down in my seat a little bit (laughs) um because in the first one it's not just because it's a great line but in the in the first one it's symbolic because he says it twice he says it once when he's an actual cop and then he says it later um when he's robocop and it's one of the signifying things that there is still the cop in the in the in the machine um and in this one it's just to kind of pay homage but he says it at one of the weakest times it doesn't make sense um i i just i was really it just really let me down and because he wastes it on another one of my problems, the fact that even though I love Michael Keaton in the movie, Michael Keaton was not a real villain. Um, no, I, I, I would disagree with that. The This is the, you know, our villains have to be uh, like Michael Keaton suddenly turned into like a cold blooded killer in the last five minutes of the movie. Yeah. And that didn't make any sense. Um, he wasn't like a bad guy. He was just a capitalist. He just wanted to make money. Um, he was willing to bend the rules, but he wasn't really just to like kill people. We see in the original RoboCop mo- money, uh, movie, people are ruthless. They will kill people in the f- beginning of the movie. They'll kill people in the middle of the movie, and they'll keep, kill people at the end of the movie. There are high stakes. There are good guys. There are bad guys. There are true heroes. There are true villains. And in this one, I felt in a movie about a robotic cop, they didn't have to try to make the lines blurry. They could have had a good guy and a bad guy. So that that was that's everything I have that's a dislike. Well, I mean, in this movie's not really in its defense, but just to say, <laughs> I think the reason you didn't like it would would be okay. So I feel like they should have left that line out. I, I would say that the movie would have been better without it. I would agree with that. And I think because I think my, though the reason is because that line is so classic, it wouldn't have matter how or where or when they used it. It would not have felt right. So I think they should have just left it out. They, they, they it's kind of like, um, it, it's kind of like when J.J. Abrams tells Chris Pine, "Do not try to recreate William Shatner's Kirk. Make him your own, because you're never going to get it right. You know, William Shatner is one of a kind, and you're never going to imitate that without it being parody. Just do your own thing." And well, I think that's the same kind of thing here, where they just didn't even need to use that line. It just because it wasn't ever going to work. No, what happened is you're really close, actually, TJ. I haven't been this disappointed in someone calling back a line that's a classic since I had to listen to Spock say, Han. <laughs> okay, that, that, that is was, a much better example because that was that, awful. That was awful. I would have rather him not said Khan than do it like they did in Into Darkness. That's probably my least favorite part of that entire movie. Um, So, uh, like... I would agree with that. That is my least favorite part of Star Trek Into Darkness. They and do there not are, need to do that. There, there are so many good retellings or reinterpretations of movies these days um, where they can use, like they can just drop in little hints from older versions. Um, and I don't understand why they can't get something this simple right. Mm. Chad, anything so, else? Nope, I'm good. 
Well, I have a sad, guys. I've been watching Chad's star rating drop in the show outline the entire <laughs> time. Like, it, it just keeps dropping. It just keeps going down. So we've got to stop before he gives this movie one star. So uh, so we'll start with you, Chad, since I've already kind of spoiled it. What is your rating of this film? Okay, I started, and I, I, I had written in the show notes, a soft four. Because I haven't seen the original film, and I think that in cases like this, your opinion of one almost depends on your opinion of the other. The other, um, And so I don't want to decide on a set star rating until I see uh, the original, which I might try and do this week and offer a brief opinion next week's podcast. But anyway, so over the course of the podcast, I've dropped from a soft four to a three, which I think it'll probably end up staying there. Um, I did really enjoy this movie in the theater, but reflecting on it and discovering for myself and hearing you guys talk about things that just didn't make sense or that just didn't go over well. Um, I, I think that it does have its problems. It's not quite four stars. Um, I think three stars is fair and it still shows my appreciation of the movie and how much I enjoyed it. The real takeaway here is that Fizz is a really bad influence on you. That's true. <laughs> this is two shows in a row that I, I think I've unintentionally made Chad drop some of his star rating. It yep. is. Yep. Um, but and I, and it's it not my intention. Me, it makes me feel bad because I don't know if Chad's ever adjusted a star rating on a, on account of my arguments. It's, it's, it must, <laughs> I must not be good. at. I, I just can't apparently say what I'm trying to say very eloquently as you can tell me stumbling over my words here um I, apparently i'm not eloquent enough and, and you are fizz so no yeah. i think it goes back to something that you actually <laughs> said last time i was on the show which is you know people just like different things this is um, true and i find that to be a completely valid thing i, I think if everyone liked the same thing we would get a lot of boring movies um, and so I'm glad there's people that like this movie a lot more than I did. And I'm glad there's people who just couldn't stand it way, you know, way more than I liked it. So, um, I, I just, I, I that's why one of the reasons I like being on the show because, you know, we, we really differ on what we really enjoy, which is why, once again, I was surprised that you like house of cards because mm. I like it so oh. much. <laughs> Come on. We have overlap. Well, and, and, and though Chad and I don't see eye to eye on everything, I think in general, the things we enjoy uh, is a little closer than the where me and uh, you are, TJ. But that, I think that's what makes me want to listen to the movie by even when I'm not on it, because you and Chad are obviously not on you know the exact same page. So it's not just listening to two guys be like, yep, yep, nope, nope, you know. You know, yeah. you know so, my, my OCD really kicks in every time you say the movie bite. The movie bite? The well, movie that's what bite. it's called. The movie bite mm, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or or just movie bite if you're talking about the website. Anyway. Well, it's like, it's an it's implied podcast word. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, fizzizzle, uh, is that what that says in the outline? Um, fizzizzle. Fizzizzle, what is your star rating? Um. When I first left the theater, I think that I was um, probably where Chad is now. I think I was at a three of five stars. But then I kind of I kind of went back to give it. Um, you put out that that good thing about a year ago, probably now about kind of like the star rating system. Yep. And kind of where things were. Joe wrote and, that for us. And I. Thanks, Joe. Um, <laughs> and, and so I think I ended up giving this movie or I'm giving this movie two and a half out of five stars. Oh my goodness. 
Um, <laughs> I think I think it is the epitome of an average movie. Wow. Um, there are some fun things, but there are some things that don't make sense. And there's things that are pretty there. There are some big holes. Uh, I would say that it's definitely worth watching once, but if I never see this RoboCop movie again, it won't hurt my feelings, but I'm glad I saw it once because it was interesting. Um, so, you know, as much as I was, I was disliking on it. Um, I, like I said, I didn't, I did enjoy watching the movie. Um, and I would recommend people go see it. You know, if they've already seen the Lego movie, and maybe a, maybe a other thing or two, um, yeah. and I think it's probably I think it's probably worth your money. But you know, after you see it once, you can probably let it go. All right. Well, I'm sticking let with go. I'm sticking with four <laughs> out of five stars. I mean, I'm sticking to my guns, guys. I just got to I, I got to do it. Well, TJ, tell me what, what else have you given four out of five stars to? Uh, that's a really good question. Let me uh, let me pull up Letterboxd where I log all my films. As do I now. And nice. the the thing I hate about Letterboxd is it's actually kind of a slow site. Mm-hmm. Diary. I mean, because it's hard for me to imagine. Like, I, like even if you really like this, it's hard for me to like put this up against other four star movies. Like, like you're talking about movies that are only two steps away from being perfect. Yeah, the Lego Movie was four out of five stars. Whoa! So this is just as good as the Lego Movie. Yeah, I would say so. Saving Mr. Banks was four out of five stars. The book Whoa. thief. Was, the book thief was four out of five stars. Okay, so I think I've made my point. <laughs> X Men Two was four and a half out of five stars. X Men was four out of five stars. Stargate Continuum is four out of five stars. A Few Good Men is four and a half out of five stars. Stargate: The Arc of Truth is four out of five stars. So I'm, I'm just reading my diary now. So <laughs> a, a, you're a few good men is just a little bit better than the 2014 RoboCop movie. Yeah, I would say it's better. Just a little bit better. Yeah. About a about a half star better. <laughs> yes. One of one of the great cinematic classics of all time is only about a half star do you, better. Do you really want me to hurt your uh, feelings? <laughs> the, 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 new, the, the new RoboCop movie. <laughs> what was that? I'm just saying. Okay. Do you really want me to hurt your feelings? I mean, you can. I, like I said, I, I just came down to a, a thing that, in my r- r- diary that's really going to hurt your feelings. Pacific Rim four out of five stars. Oh, well, like I said, that's fine. That's what I expected you to like Pacific Rim as. I just wanted to make sure you were keeping your star ratings in context because I was like, you know, if TJ makes his top 50 list at the end of the year, um, then he's going to have RoboCop somewhere probably, you know, maybe the the top 10, 15. Maybe. With a four out of five stars. Probably. And, And I just, I couldn't put this movie in the same category as other movies that you just listed as four star movies. Red two, four out of five stars. Yep. All right. Well, uh, despite you guys being wrong on several accounts, I've really enjoyed this. I've made my point yeah. to Chad. That was my only, that was, my, that was the only thing I needed to do. All right. Well, next week we are going to, uh, talk about monuments, men. Is that what we decided on Chad? I think so. All right. So Monuments Men, uh, it's really just because of the dearth of films in in the theaters right now, because I really wasn't planning on seeing this. But uh, the other option was Three Days to Kill, which I'm entirely not certain that it's going to be any good at all. (laughs) No, it'd probably be awful. I am kind of looking forward to nonstop, but that's not for two more weeks. And I kind of expect to be disappointed, but I kind of want to like it. So I'm kind of looking forward to it. It's going to be awful. You know it's going to be awful, TJ. I don't know. (laughs) I I have a bad track record about predicting things. Although I was looking forward to Robocop and I liked it. 
You should you should watch her. Yeah, maybe it'll we'll weird, it'll weird you out, but Chad will love it. Okay, well yeah. we'll we'll think about it. So anyway, next week, Monuments Men is what we're going to be talking about. So get geared up for that. Watch it and get ready for that. Uh, so if people want to uh, keep up with your work on the Internet, Chad, where may they do that at? They can do that at ChadLikesMovies.com, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Chad.Hopkins, and on Twitter at Twitter.com slash Chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Boom. All right. <laughs> and uh, Mike. Mikey, Michael, Fizz, <laughs> Fizzication, Fizzizzle, Fizzy. Fizzikins. What is, yeah, Fizzikins. Where? <laughs> last is where? that you, Chad? Have you gone through and like renamed me throughout yes. this document? Okay. That's awesome. I have. Where <laughs> can you find, where can I find, where can Chad find, where can anybody find you? All right, over at my podcast, uh, not only do we really love watching movies, but we believe that entertainment is not mindless and that story is powerful. So we try to examine the narratives that are shaping our culture. Um, if that seems interesting to you, then check out Real World Theology. That's real as an R-E-E-L um, World Theology. You can find us on the web at realworldtheology.com, on Facebook, and on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Fizzification, uh, where me and TJ typically get into arguments with each other and on, <laughs> or, or my, or the real world theology Twitter account, which is at real world Theo. Awesome. Nice work. All right. So you can find me on moviebite.com. That's where I write every single weekday. I put a lot of uh, love time and uh, tender, loving care into the movie Byte website. See. So I would appreciate it if you check that out. You can also follow me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash tjdraperpro. And you can follow MovieByte on Twitter, moviebyte.com slash, I'm sorry, twitter.com slash moviebyte. Boy, I really botched that one up. Uh, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us pretty much in any podcast directory. And uh, we would love any ratings that you might want to throw our way. We'll be back next week with The Monuments Men. Until then, have a great week. See you guys. Bye-bye. Bye.